Hi everyone, uh, Producer Corpse here. This was a great episode, especially for you female hoopers out there. But, uh, however, I'm here for another reason, unfortunately. You listening to my voice right now in the intro means that it's time for me to unnecessarily explain some behind-the-scenes technical issues. Podcasting, specifically the recording process in general, is not as simple as you might think. For our guests, usually, we tell you to follow a link, plug in your headphones, and talk. But on the producer's end, so my end, it is not as as simple especially remotely recording guests is and always will be much more difficult and stressful than in-person recording for a couple reasons for starters there are a number of variables that myself you know the producer that i i cannot control stuff like what environment each guest is in or moving throughout what mic or lack thereof they use what room they are in the distance their mics are from their computers and all the other stuff like you know how empty a room is because those empty rooms produce a lot of reverb it's why it's you sound very echoey in the shower it just sound bouncing off the walls and going back into your ears hence reverb right a more filled room is gonna have less of that kind of sound so it's a more filled room is better for recording all of this stuff and i mean i'm just giving you very very small and simple examples there's a lot more that goes into it and all these issues affect audio quality and i would say 95 percent of these issues are fixable by me in the uh post-production process there are other stuff you know that some of you have caught and commented on like missing some bleeps or when you guys hear the audio being sped up or Mitch sounding like he's in helium or whatever. It's, it's because when I process these videos, when I'm listening and editing to these videos, I listen at a higher speed just because I have to listen through the episode of maybe two to three times wherever I can save some time by shaving off a couple minutes here and there. I do that by playing it at a higher speed. So that helps out the editing process. And those are annoying, especially the sped up thing, because it sounds so normal to my ears, but obviously to you guys, it sounds super sped up. But it's still pretty harmless, and I can just fix it usually with no issue. However, on top of that, there are internet and internet software issues, and those can turn to disasters. The hard part about remote recording is the internet effect, right? Especially in the beginning when Mitch and I were at our houses and we're trying to record guests. It's three different internets with three different, you know, situations. Especially when they are in different countries, it just becomes an issue and it's just pretty annoying. To make a long story short, that's what happened here. Guest disconnects and I made an error in the reconnection process that meant that some things didn't get recorded and that's entirely my fault and it's uh it's not always fun to be the producer but mitch and i always have agreed that if you know stuff like that happens and we don't want to post anything of bad quality especially when guests are listening to their episodes and they want to be presented in a good way and and rightfully so we want to make sure that they're happy with it and they don't regret it so putting out something that is mediocre Putting out episodes that are not as produced as others is something that we don't want to do. So having said that, hopefully by next week, you'll be hearing the guest that was supposed to be here today. Until then, back to our interview with Kim Smith. gentlemen welcome back to hoops journey um this is a guest that we've been wanting to get on for a long time appreciate her time being with us um talking to her from france so we do our have our biggest time change so far ever uh (laughs) one of the greatest basketball players canada has ever produced and british columbia um her resume is phenomenal um the first ever woman to have a jersey retired by the university of utah uh, um, uh, an Olympian, a Division One athlete, just crazy resume, and we're super excited to find out more about her story. Um, we have Kim Smith on the show tonight. How are you? 
Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Good. Yeah. You you know, like I said, Richie Chambers, the connection, uh, our Elmer Fudd spirit animal. animal. Um, <laughs> that's all, folks. And uh, you came highly recommended. So um, how, how have things been for you? You know, you're over in France. And the first thing we always like to do is check in and see what COVID has been like for people and, and their lives and their families and, and how has it affected your life and how have you guys been able to maybe find some positives from things? Whew, man. Well, first of all, it's been way too long since I've been home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been over a year. Oh. So that's definitely been a struggle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, lucky I have my husband over here with me. You know, this is my fifth year with the same club team in France. So it feels a little bit like home. France has been all over the map with restrictions. We're like, the first restrictions were very strict. We were only allowed one kilometer radius outside of our apartment for one hour a day. Oh, wow. Um, So that was pretty intense at the start of the confinement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully, I had like all of the workout gear from my club. uh, So I could, had a sweet little home gym in our apartment uh, that helped me get through it. And now we just have curfew, um, so we're dealing with that. But yeah, I mean, I guess it like could be worse, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so surviving, surviving, yeah. making a lot of use out of Zoom calls and yeah. FaceTimes and all of that. But I'll be excited when it's over and I can finally get back home again. Yeah, for sure. It's funny too, and I always think like what life would have been like if we were going through this maybe without being able to connect with family and see them at least on a phone or a tablet or something right and some challenging times and you're still married so you guys haven't killed each other yet which is good (laughs) which is good so yes um, and I think yeah I think maybe we'll just all appreciate the little things when we do get those opportunities and that you know that those hugs when you get off the plane will just be that much more special and you know we won't take them maybe as for granted that we did before you know so yeah, it's a tough time for our, for lots of us, but glad to hear you guys are doing okay. Yeah. All right, well, let's get right into it. So tell us about yourself. Um, tell us about like what life was like for you as, as a youngin and running around and what sports you kind of were involved in and how basketball maybe sort of started to come into your life. Um you know, through the podcast, some people were late bloomers, some people basketball was just part of their life from a young age. And, but we always like to see, you know, what other things people were interested in before basketball really started to take over. Uh, yeah, so I was the middle of three girls. Um, so my father was such a lucky man. Um, <laughs> Totally, well, like, not a sporting family. I mean, my dad might tell you that he had, like, a stellar hockey career. But, you know, like, my mom was a cheerleader, but they put us in sports all growing up. Um, For me, I was stupid shy and very awkward. Like, I would just be very comfortable hanging out by myself reading a book. And my parents were like, okay, so team sports is the route for her. She's, like, not even allowed in individual sports. So I played everything growing up, all the team sports that you can imagine. Um, I was enrolled in it. But we had a hoop outside in our backyard, and my older sister uh, is three years older, and she was into basketball. And so basketball was kind of my, basketball and t-ball, I guess, were my first sports. Um, And since we had a hoop outside, we were kind of always out there um, as a family. And I followed my older sister around everywhere. I tried to mimic everything that she did. So, you know, when she was playing in her games, I would be like the kid that brought a ball to the gym and like ran out during timeouts to get some, to get my J's up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, uh, it's actually interesting. She, uh, we did not get along when I was in high school. It was like, we played on the same team at one point. Um, yeah. and we were like bitter. It was pretty bitter, you know, <laughs> like I was just the younger hotshot that like, didn't really care, didn't notice, you know, like team play necessarily, you know, and she was just like super focused and driven. And it was like, you know, she was, she actually went down to the U.S. and played in university as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was a brat, you know, I was a super annoying younger sister. And now we're best friends and I fully acknowledge that she is one of the biggest reasons why I've had the career that I've had. Uh, but she wants a study done, and she's like, how many Olympians had older siblings? Like, how many were the second 
children in their family because I swear it's like the the drive to become you know better than your older sibling that that is a real thing um yeah so yeah she has she's always like you're the you're the Serena I'm the Venus so (laughs) (laughs) that's super interesting though and you it's a great point like uh I my brother was three years older as well and I would tag along and just, and I think also that you're instantly just start to compete against bigger, faster, stronger, right? So you're, you're seeing yeah, the game absolutely. played. Yeah, you're seeing the yeah. game played at a quicker speed against bigger girls and stronger. And you, so you start to adapt at an earlier age and maybe some things that people are, are catching onto later, you're, you're getting exposed to earlier. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I was funny. lucky. But I mean, we played every sport yeah. growing up. We really kind of only started to specialize in basketball and maybe grade 10, 11, still ran cross country and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was kind of later in high school. I think that's so important to be able to play a bunch of different sports and the cross training and all that. It's wild how young kids specialize nowadays. You stole my question. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, as as a PE teacher and coach, you know, and just someone still involved in the game, it's like this specialization is, it's, it's wild. And the things that you... You know, it's it's okay to have one that is means more than the others, but like the things that we take from those sports and can apply mm-hmm. to different sports, I think is so important, right? And it's, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time. And and out in BC, not sure how much you follow it out here is a very you know it's a large you know training culture and things like that, which is good. But I think we can learn so much from being involved in other things too. Yeah, and you're a prime yeah. example of that, right? I mean, you ended up you know, being an Olympian and division one athlete, but playing a lot of things as a kid is important. So yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then, so <laughs> when you, did you play on your sister's team in high school or was that when you guys were actually at a younger age? No, I did. Yeah. yeah. When I was in grade nine, she was in grade 12. Yeah. And so we played on the same team that year. And <laughs> there would be times when it was like <laughs> the car ride home, my poor parents, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just it was it was rough. Yeah, um, yeah. There were never we any like the best of friends. <laughs> yeah, the, were there any like um, I don't know if you follow Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but like when Will and Carlton were on the same team, and like Carlton tried to mm-hmm. steal the ball from Will for the last second glory, and he no, throws no, it over the hoop. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. But yeah, I mean, it was after she went away to university, you know, that it was kind of like, and we had our separation and. I kind of started to realize, um, you know, what I had done wrong. And I mean, maybe a little bit her the same thing. And I used to go on spring break and visit her. Um, yeah. So it was like slowly mended. And like I said, now she's one of my best friends, but yeah, it was, it was a rough season playing together for (laughs) sure. Fair enough. (laughs) Luckily you had a good coach and mentor to manage through that. And let's talk about that time, you know, heritage at, at your time, like what an absolute dynasty and, um, like just, you know, the, the coaching that you experienced at that age, you know, I mean, absolutely top shelf and phenomenal. And, you know, when did basketball really start to take off? You you mentioned at grade nine, you're playing in, in the senior level. So obviously you had some skills early on, um, and, you know, just reflect back and, and tell us about those times. And um, I know there's a good story about some missing teeth, too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, yeah, I am so lucky for the coaching that I had in high school. Uh, I wouldn't say that Langford was ever, like, the easiest coach that you could play for, you know. Um, <laughs> he definitely challenged you in, in a lot of ways, um, especially mentally, I would say. But if you were willing and you put in the time and you were committed, um, man, he could take you to some places. We said in the last um, two Olympics for Canada, he's had uh, multiple Olympians that he's coached on the team. And I honestly, like, I don't know if you can say that. Um, Obviously, I've never studied this or looked it up, but I don't know if that's the case for any other coach. Right. You know, and so it's just, um, yeah, so incredibly lucky. I think also one of the biggest things that he did, I mean, we obviously had Teresa, um, amazing point guard for so many years that went to heritage. Um, she was a stud. Yes. Um, I never got a chance to play with her, but she would come back. Uh, and I mean, Langford would open up the gym one every single morning for us. So I think by like grade nine, grade 10, I was going every single morning, Mm. um, before school started. And then on Sundays we would have these crazy pickup games where it was like 
we'd have three courts going some days, you know, where just a whole bunch of people would come out to play. Uh, lots of times Teresa would come back and play. Um, but one day Langford actually pulled us out of school because the women's national team was practicing in Vancouver. And this is like in their lead up to, um, I think it was in their lead up to Sydney, maybe. Uh, and it's like, this is before the time of cell phones and YouTube and social media. So it's like, I had no idea what professional female athletes looked like, you know, like yeah. I, there's really like, there just wasn't that kind of exposure, you know, like you yeah. never heard about them, you never saw them. And so to be able to like, see them up close, um, yeah, for Langford to be like, hey, let's go check this out. Let's support Teresa. And I mean, it was when I saw them that I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to represent Canada. And I want to become a professional basketball player. Um, but yeah, it was those years at Heritage were, were fun. I mean, I think high school is like tricky for anybody. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people look back on it and were like, those were the best times of my life. But um, yeah, I was, I was incredibly lucky to be coached by, by that group mm -hmm. that uh, was also some of the most competitive teams that you could be on. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, our starting five all went on to have full ride university scholarships. Um, that does not happen. No. Very often. No. I mean, I was like at six foot tall. I was the fourth tallest, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. So it was a good time. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, I always tell the kids we, we teach and coach if uh, high school are the best years of your life, then we've done something wrong. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> it gets better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and good reflection and just in the importance of having those coaches that are just willing to, you know, those servant leaders that want to see their athletes grow and be the best version of themselves, whatever that looks like. And, and those people that put the time in, um, and open the gym and take you places. And, you know, you just think to yourself, like maybe if he doesn't take you to that practice with the women's team, you're, you don't look at that. And, you know, maybe your perspective is different until later, but you see mm -hmm. that and now you have something to strive for. And, um, to have a, you know, a girl like Teresa coming back to run open gyms. I mean, what an opportunity, you know, probably nerve wracking at first, but then you're playing against mm -hmm. one of the best point guards in the whole nation at an open yes. gym. Like how, yeah. you know, how can you not improve from that? Right. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. For the people who is Teresa, for the people who don't know. Oh, who is Teresa? Oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Teresa Kleindienst Gabriel, a stud at SFU. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, national team point guard from 2000 until 2012. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the best point guards we've had. She was uh, unbelievable. She was, yeah. yeah. Crazy athlete, very yeah. fast, yeah. Young female hoopers. Yeah. Google that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then, as you know, Herit I, I believe that Heritage is now a middle school, and it's, is it, am I correct? And then it's, they combined with Mission, is that, did you know that? Yes. yes. Yeah, it yeah. is a middle school now. Yeah. 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 No, I, that was now, a so. that was a crazy run that you guys had, and um, you know, I read a really cool article about you on the Fraser Valley Bandits website, and um, you know, that's where that grassroots and that great experience comes in. And when did you start to get recruited? I mean, I'm assuming you can tell everyone, but you probably <laughs> were starting to get looked at at a pretty you know early age. It wasn't probably your senior year, or maybe it was where you started to get a lot of interest from, from schools. Yeah. Um, interesting because I actually had a few coaches tell me that I should send some stuff out to second division schools and stuff because they didn't know if I was at uh, first division level. Wow. Um, so do we want to name yeah. drop or we'll just let them hear no, this? And no, <laughs> just, yeah. It was just, um, you know, I think it was when I was in grade 10 okay. or 11 and it was like, I was kind of, you know, mm -hmm. I was a pretty good player. Um, but yeah, they just didn't know if I would be able to, to handle it, uh, in the States. And, um, so I, I did, I was getting recruited by like, uh, Gonzaga and, um, Oregon state were kind of the two early ones okay. when I was in grade 10, 11. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I wound up playing on the junior national team, uh, heading into the, my senior year of high school. And, uh, fellow Canadian, 
um, played on the junior national team with me. One of my best friends, Shona Thorburn, uh, was going to Utah, and she had the coaches came out and watched us play, and it was the Francophonie Games. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you need to recruit this girl. Like, she'd be great here. And then at the same time, um, Bev Smith, who I had played for uh, my first year on the national team, mm -hmm. went down to Oregon. Mike McNeil um, was one of her assistants. He was my grade nine social studies teacher. And Allison McNeil, obviously, who became, um, who was my coach on the junior national team my first year and then eventually became my coach for a bunch of years. But those three were at Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that recruiting process was kind of started a little bit later for me. I knew I wanted to sign um, in the early signing period going okay. into my senior year because I was just somebody that, like, hated that there was coaches that would like call me on the phone and be like, can you talk? And I was like, well, no, like I really, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm I was, like I book, said, I was shy. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I was shy and it was like just the most awkward conversations, yeah, you know, yeah. like it's not, there's it's not, not a whole bunch to talk about every single week. Yeah. yeah. So you're just like, I don't need to talk to you. Like, I know you guys are still interested in me. Like I'm still interested in you, you know, yeah. like, we're fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> I have not. So, yeah, I don't need to update my Facebook status yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, every part of me, like, in my heart was like, a, you know, Oregon is obviously Bev, Mike, Allison. Um, plus, it's like Nike money, you know, like Oregon mm. is a pretty sweet, amazing campus. Um so I went on my official visit to Utah first, and one of the things that my sister told me before I went on my visit and was like the greatest piece of advice that I've ever had was to play pickup with the team. And she's like, this is how you're going to know if you fit in. This is how you're going to know where you stand. Um, you know, like people, recruiting is just so funny because it's like for one weekend, it's not really like the real experience in a lot of places, you know, they just right. try to wine and dine you and sell you. Um, and I do, I feel like so many kids make the wrong decision nowadays because you get swept up in like what kind of gear you're going to get or what do their practice facilities look like, you know, and at the end of the day, you need a gym um, <laughs> and a place that you're going to play uh, and grow. Yeah. So yeah, I played pickup and it was like, Utah ran motion, um, and this was the most organized pickup game I've ever played in. There was, like, people calling out screens all over the place, like, flare screens, down screens, and I just, like, I mean, that's my bread and butter. Like, I am possibly one of the worst one-on-one -on -one players that you've met. Um, <laughs> it's, like, my move is, like, to stand there and, like, wait for somebody to drop their hands and then just try to shoot a three. It's, like, that's kind of the extent of it, you know? So... <laughs> But when people are cutting and moving, it's like, yeah, game on. I'm, I can read the game. Um, so yeah, I played pickup and I was like, whoa, okay, like this is, this is a really good fit. Um, and then I went to Oregon the next weekend and it was like on a big football weekend. Um, they were like in the running to go to the national championship that year. Um, but yeah, when I played pickup with that team and I know it was only like, their first year as a coaching staff, um, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And, you know, I mean, they were like, you're going to play, you know, there's minutes, we see you doing well here. But yeah, I just, I didn't, I did not feel comfortable whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, uh, good to trust the instincts. Yeah. Went to Utah. It was the greatest decision I've made. Um, although nowadays, sometimes I'm like, you know, Having, if I went to Oregon, it would be like, you'd have that Oregon Nike connection. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I wouldn't be like paying for basketball shoes for the last <laughs> like 15 years. It's like, that would have been pretty sweet. But um, yeah, aside from that, uh, I made a great choice. That's awesome. Um, just want to go back to a couple of things you mentioned. I was going to ask, yeah, like what a cool resource and having your sister end up being a, a rivalry when you're younger. But then you mentioned, you know, did did going down and, and visiting, did that make it a little bit more comfortable thinking about, you know, moving away from home or did you, were you just confident? I mean, being an introvert, I'm sure there was some mental challenges in terms of thinking like, wow, I have to like go away from home and like live on campus. But 
did going and visiting your sister make you feel any more comfortable that way? Um, you never really think of it. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I never got homesick. Um, oh, wow. I was just like, so pumped to, to be hooping. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, so excited. I was so ready for this. It was like, I mean, my poor parents, it was like a forced call every single week, you know, like sometimes <laughs> like you look back call. and you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's exactly what it was like. It was like, my parents were like, okay, but like, we need to talk once a week. And it was like, oh, fine. You know, but it was just like, I'm my roommate, my freshman year was super homesick. Uh, yeah. Wound up leaving. I wow. uh, just, yeah. And I'm, of course I'm over there like, yeah, this is great. You know, like, yeah. she's <laughs> like, you know, you don't miss home. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> So, yeah, I just kind of adapted right away and it just, yeah, it really felt like a great fit and I, yeah. I was just ready for university, I guess. What are you looking for during this pandemic time? Sometimes after a long week of work, we just want to sit down and have a nice cold beer. Well, one of our sponsors, Parkside Brewery, can offer you that. Located at 2731 Murray Street in Port Moody, Parkside not only has an amazing indoor atmosphere during the winter season, it also has a great patio in the summer. Get down there, enjoy yourself a cold beer, or you can find them at any local government liquor store. Last thing, don't expect to go to Parkside and get any tips on how to become a better basketball player, because Sam Payne and Travis McLean, our good buddies, can't help you with that, but they sure can serve you a good beer. See you, Parkside. Cool. And he obviously yeah. was a good fit. I mean, I believe you were the conference player of the year four times. So yeah, obviously things clicked. Um, how did it feel to wear the the Canadian flag on your on your jersey for the first time? Man, yeah, that was unreal. Yeah. Um, obviously, so when I first made the junior national team, like the summer before, yeah. there had been two of my teammates that had gotten called in to try out. And I was like super salty that I didn't get this call up, you know, because I was like, man, I put in the hours in the gym. Like, why am I not getting rewarded uh, immediately and automatically? Uh, I put the time in. Um, So, yeah, I was I was pretty peeved off at that. And so the next summer to to have gotten the invite uh, felt really good. Um, Yeah, I played in the Francophonie games. It's a really neat experience. Um, But then. Later that summer, I actually got called in for the senior team. Mm. And that's what was crazy is that, like, I would be the first to tell you that I probably wasn't even, like, one of the 40 best players in the country at that time. But it was like, you know, I mean, I showed that I had made a large improvement from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I was a hard worker, you know. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I mean, I'm just going to get in the gym and be the first one to practice and be the last one to leave. Um, But I remember like defense is just one of those things where it's like a lot of times you just need a few more years to figure defense out and angles out. And like, you can't defend a grown woman when you're 17. And I just remember getting schooled like so often on defense. And then when they were like, Hey, you're coming to Brazil with us. I was like, really? Wait, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you guys sure? Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was one of those other experiences where it was like, you know, Brazil was top three in the world when I first started mm-hmm. with the national team. And so to be able to like play against them, to be able to see them, to be able to see the top players in our country and just like learn from them and watch them. Um, man, like I left and I was heading into my last year of high school and I was motivated and it was like you knew even more so what you needed to work on to, mm-hmm. to achieve that level and to maintain that level. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really glad that I had that opportunity. That's cool. Yeah. And now like basketball, I love it. I love sport just, you know, like comes full circle and now you're like that vet that young Super women are old vet. No, yeah. Right. <laughs> I can't say a word cause I'm older than you. So, okay. Yeah. yeah that, uh, that those, you know, the young women are looking up to, right. And that's, that's super, you know, very cool and a, and a great story. And we'll talk, we'll talk more about Canada, but I just, I'm always intrigued when we interview people who, you know, had the opportunity to represent their, you know, Canada. And as you know, Canadians, we're just prideful people, right. We were really grateful mm-hmm. from where we're from. So I can only imagine stepping onto 
the basketball court doing the thing you love representing, you know, the place where you're from must be like a phenomenal experience and to yeah, experience it at unreal. such a young age. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Utah. So tell us about it. Um, how, how was the time? Obviously, you know, you 18 and eight for, for a career is no, <laughs> no slouch at all. And, <laughs> and, and what were those first few practices like? Um, was it a natural thing that you just worked your way in or what, you know, did, was it, knock down a few times and build yourself back up and and talk about those four years in your time there yeah uh so like i said i had um that same junior national team point guard um she had redshirted the year before she was a year older than me so we got to spend four years there together um she was just an incredible passer um and i think she really helped me feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more at home you know knowing somebody um on the team right away and yeah I kind of came in and right away felt felt comfortable um understood the system like I said it was motion and that's kind of my bread and butter um everybody on the team could kind of pass and shoot and so it was just sort of like run around screens and people would would hit you with the ball so uh yeah I mean especially Shona my point guard there so it it was kind of a seamless honestly, a seamless transition, like right from the start. Mm. Uh, I had, yeah, I had success right out of, right out of the gate freshman year. And yeah, so it was cool. I guess like the worst was, so sophomore year, um, we like did the watch party because we thought we were getting invited to the NCAA tournament. Oh no. Yep. Uh, and then just didn't hear our names called. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was one of those, like, uh, that was probably the lowest point in the college career. <laughs> and it was kind of like, you know, then we ha- sort of had to meet as a team. And it was like, hey, do you want to go to the NIT? And it's sort of like when you're expecting to go to the NCAA tournament, you know, and, like, that's what your goals were as a team. Um, yeah. I personally had, like, a, I had, like, dislocated my shoulder um, early in the season and, like, had just had like two cortisone shots to try to like make it through the year, you know, and it was like my shooting hand. So I was like, I don't need to play in the NIT. It was kind of like, no, like we're, we're regrouping for next year. We're shutting this down. But um, yeah, I would say that was kind of the one time where it was like, oh man, okay. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. This is a little yeah. bit rough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of our parties were closed after that. Yeah. <laughs> Media wasn't allowed <laughs> to any more watch parties after that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what advice would you give a young person who's, you know, thinking about other than you've already given one great nugget, which was scrimmage with the team. Is there anything else upon reflection, like for a young athlete that's maybe thinking about going away that, you know, they should look for or think about before they pick what school they're interested in going to? Yeah, I think it's just like knowing who you are as a player. Mm. Um and just doing your homework, like not being so swept up by by the weekend, by what coaches are going to say. Um, yeah, because it's just they're going to say whatever they want to get you there kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of coaches that aren't that honest, that aren't that true. Um, and so it is doing your homework, watching the team play, being like, do I fit this style of play, you know, and if you maybe don't know yourself that well, like ask, ask your coaches, um, mm-hmm. what they think, you know, like get, don't be afraid to reach out, um, ask more questions to the people around you, ask for their support as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Good. Thanks for that. Yeah. When did you, like, did you ever envision yourself you're in grade nine? You know, you mentioned playing for Canada was was pro basketball also a goal for you and and when did you um start to think like wow the WNBA might actually be a possibility or were people telling you first and then you realized that you could get there yeah it's weird you know like the WNBA for me was never like a oh my goodness I really want to make the WNBA you know um I always figured that I was going to go over to Europe and play just because that was the longer season. Um, the WNBA was always kind of the same time as Canada, but probably uh, going right. into my senior year, I started having uh, agents write me um, yeah. just to be like, hey, you know, 
I'm yeah. so-and-so, what's up? Like, I'm watching <laughs> you this year. Let's talk at the end of your season kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I knew um, going in that, going into my senior year, that that was going to be most likely a possibility. Yeah, and then at the end of my senior year, I got invited into the combine camp. Uh, it was in Boston. And, uh, and then afterwards, it was like you were invited to stay uh, for the draft. So that meant they were like, you know, we don't, we can't tell you when you're going to be picked, but it's most likely going to be in the first round or early second round. Okay. They're like, so get a suit. So this, I swear to you, this is like one of the biggest regrets, like of my life, of my basketball career is that it was like trying to buy a suit last minute being like, what is a business suit for a female? Mm-hmm. And it's like the early 2000s. So it is like the ugliest, baggiest, ill-fitting outfit that one could wear um, on a pretty monumental day. Uh, so yeah, every year that there's a WNBA draft, I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, what was I wearing? What was I thinking? I always get mad at my husband. I'm like, so you let me go to the draft in that. Like, <laughs> I'm Googling it. It doesn't look that bad. I mean. Oh, it, no. It, it is a real bad fit. The, 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 the pants have a little bit of MC hammers. Like they're, yep. yeah, they're, they're, yeah. yeah. The jacket fits oh, okay. Yeah. The, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. It is not a, it's, it's not a flattering look. I always look back and I'm like, come on, Kim. <laughs> So you're saying that you don't want that as like your profile pic for when the episode I don't, comes out? No, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, my husband always like almost every year at the draft, he'll like bring it up and be like, hey, remember this? I'm like, okay, thank you. Yes. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> I never made the connection of WNBA and Canada basketball. It makes total sense. And Corbin and I were talking yesterday and like, you know, about the show and, and talking with you. And we were just kind of curious about the WNBA experience for you because, you know, we looked up your stats or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> was just, was it, was it just a bad experience and it didn't go well or was Europe a better fit or was it a kind of a bit of both? I can hear you snickering. So yeah. just, yeah, wondering what, what that was all about. No, like mm-hmm. I, the WNBA was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was neat to experience it. I wouldn't say that I was like, I wasn't a great fit for the team that I was on. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I got to play with uh, some pretty amazing minds. And I think that I like took a lot away from it in that sense. But it's like in um, 2000 and uh, I guess it would have been after my first year. So my first year, we went all the way to the conference well, well to the WNBA finals and we lost in game five. So this is like the last possible pl- time Uh, but it was also like the very first the year before we had qualified for the world championships and it was the first time in 12 years that Canada had qualified and so it was like the morning after we lost I was on a flight down to Brazil and I played like my first game in a world championship two days later like (laughs) stupidly jet-lagged tired burnt out and you know like I hated that because I knew that it's like it took 12 years to get back to this world championships, you know, and it just yeah. felt like, and here I am, you know, like tired. And so for me, it was never like the WNBA was never my goal. Uh, Canada basketball was always my goal. Um, you know, at the same time, it was, it was really cool experience. It was neat to play in. Um, but yeah, when I got, I got traded uh, after like three years in Sacramento. Yeah. I got traded to Phoenix and I was like, oh, Phoenix, like that would have been a much better fit for me. But then I kind of got waived before training camp. And when I got waived, I was sort of like, okay, you know, like I'm headed into Canada basketball this summer. And like, that's my only focus. And I wasn't really sweating it. I never was like, how do I get back into the WNBA with my agent? I was kind of like, yeah, I'm with Canada now, you know? So Mm -hmm. it wasn't, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I think it too was that, Canada didn't, like, we hadn't qualified for the Olympics. Um, You know, I'd been part of two failed attempts to qualify for the Olympics at that point in time in my career. And so it was like, how do I, how do I get to an Olympics? Like, that was my, that was my goal. And to me, it wasn't going to be me being away from the team all summer and joining them late. Like, I just, yeah. Yeah. And cool. Like, you, you are part of you've been a part of the swing in, in women's basketball in Canada, man. And you guys are just like 
kicking ass and taking numbers all over. That must be a cool feeling too, hey, to see the how far it's come and where it is now. And and I know it was hard with, you know, the Olympics being taken away, but just it's got to be a little bit of pride in, in being a, you know, a key component and part of those special teams that have really, and I think for women in Canada in general, you young girls, um, now the advantage of social media and being able to see and connect with you without knowing you and, you know, like you didn't have that opportunity, but now these young women do and, and seeing, you know, you guys and, you know, the key nurses of the world and these studs coming up through Canada. And it's such a cool thing to see. Um, and hopefully the men can get there. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> but <laughs> Like that's got to be so cool. Like, I mean, have you have you processed that yet? Or are you still like I'm a baller? I'm still playing. I'm hanging on to every last fiber of my career. <laughs> then I'll look back and reflect and pat myself on the back. Um, no, I mean, no. I think I've definitely stopped to appreciate um, where we've come from, you Good. know, because it has been such a journey and just so many people. I mean, Alison McNeil is one of like the biggest people that led this turnover, the battles that she yeah. fought to get us time together. You know, um, I always laugh because at the start of my career, mm. it was like all of the veterans were always complaining that, you know, we, we didn't have funding. And so it would be like one week together or like 10 day training camp. And then it was like, okay, go try to qualify against, you know, and back yeah. then the teams in South America, like, Brazil and Cuba were three and five in the world. And so it was like, well, that's a really tall task. Um, and then it was like Allison came and she just fought so hard. Um, she used so many resources and, you know, but then we had a 40 day training camp in BC one time. Careful what and you it was wish like, for. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, we take it back. We don't need this much training time together. Um, yeah, yeah. 15, yeah, 15 was, days is okay. 18 days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 40 days in, like, at UFV, in, like, the Baker dorms, no air conditioning, you oh. know, I mean, I was lucky because my parents, you know, just across the yep. river in Mission, but it's yep. like, I mean, you didn't have time, it was like we were two days most days, you know, and you're yeah. just like, <laughs> out in Abbotsford, and you're like, oh my, yeah. <laughs> for 40 days. <laughs> um, yeah, and we played, I think, like, four games at the very end of that 40-day camp, um, and they actually, she cut it short because we were supposed to play a game and then have like three more days of practice at the end. So it was supposed mm -hmm. to be like 43 days and she wound up like canceling the last three days. And there was actually like tears of joy on so many people. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my goodness, just like three days and people were like, ah. Um, so yeah, it, it's been really, really neat to see the growth. You know, like our last... Um, our last qualifying window in Belgium for the Olympics, all of the games were on TV. And I'm just like, that is unreal. Like, I'm coming from when Doug Smith covered us, and that was like the only person yeah. in all of Canada, you know, that had anything, any kind of interest or followed or knew that we were even at like Olympic qualifiers to now we're on run national television. Um, yeah. So it is. I mean, like, for me, I said you know watching watching the national team play was what motivated me you know it's one mm -hmm. of those things like you can't really be what you can't see and so it's true like now you have kia and nat that are out there you know um i mean things like your podcast you know mm -hmm. where you give where you give the female hoopers a voice it's it's really awesome it's mm -hmm. yeah we need we need more of it yeah um yeah, because I would say there's definitely been, like, some times over my career, um, you know, where you want, like, I really want the men's team to have success, but sometimes they get so much pub yeah. and so much stuff, and you're like, well, but they don't actually play on the team. Like, <laughs> they haven't actually qualified yet, you know? So yeah. you're like, okay, like, yeah, there's been some sponsors that have... Um, you know, giving stuff to the men and it's like, they're getting all of these free things. And you're like, well, could you offer like 12 more to the female <laughs> side? And some companies are just like flat out. No, you know? Um, mm. so yeah, it's been, that has been a grind. And so it's really cool to see, uh, that that's not the case anymore that, yeah, we're, yeah. we're fourth in the world. People are recognizing it and yeah. 
Yeah. Still work to be done in that. And though the, the support Definitely. side, for sure, there's still lots of work that needs to happen in that. Like now, okay, we're at a certain level. We're four in the world. Now, like, let's match let's match the money and the support and the media to the talent that's being put out there. You know what I mean? And I'll say it, you yeah. won't, you're, you're being very polite about it, but you know, I, and it, I, maybe does it, does it give you guys as a team, does it give you a little bit of motivation every time you step out there? Or is it something that's just not talked about random question, but I just wonder, like, is it just that sort of little chip on that shoulder still like, Hey, let's still prove, or is it like, who cares? Let's just be the best team we can. Um, I think it's like, especially for the younger players they don't even like really know you know that so they're just like yeah let's just yeah yeah, like let's just be but i mean that's cool you know Mm -hmm. like they don't Mm -hmm. but yeah i think it is just kind of like let's be the best team that we can um and yeah like people people are noticing now you know like they don't know the time when when nobody did um yeah but yeah it's really interesting because you know obviously i play over in europe um and I play on a younger team and I've played with some of like the top young talent in France. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you know, some of my teammates are like 18, 19 and they've played on junior national teams in France. And so they're like sponsored by Nike, you know, and they get like free stuff shipped to them or they're sponsored by yeah. Adidas Yeah. and they'll be like, oh, Kim, what's your sponsorship? And I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a sponsorship. <laughs> like, like it's not like I, I buy my basketball shoes, you know, yeah. like I get two in the summer. Um, and then it's like, yeah, like sometimes an AAU team gets more and they're like, well, but why don't you have a sponsorship? Like you're on the national team. And I'm like, well, we're not there yet, you yeah. know? And so my hope right is that <laughs> that continues to improve that like things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. And I do, I really do think it's only a matter of time. Um, but yeah, I will be pumped when that happens. Yeah. Across good, the board. Good point too that you make that the younger generation doesn't have to experience that. So it shows that there is some good stuff happening and and uh yeah, Europe. So okay, you're same age as LeBron James and you're still balling. So <laughs> talk about like you must be meticulous in terms of taking care of your body and, and staying at a high level in terms of conditioning and um how's that the pro career gone, you know, Belgium, Spain, Hungary, France, some, some great places in the world. And, and, uh, you know, I think that's cool too, like the WNBA. Yeah. But the experiences that you've probably had being overseas as well, outside of basketball and the cultures that you've been able to be a part of too, like there's so much more that you get to experience and just reflect a little bit on that. And, and there's gotta be some sort of good European story you got for us. No, no pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I had like my first experience with uh, like fan hooligans, like hooligan fans in Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played on uh, just like a shorter term contract in Hungary. Uh, and it was, I played on like the best team in Hungary. They were a very organized club. Um, but my husband actually came out uh, for like, two weeks at the end of the season so you could watch like the championships and stuff. So we were playing in uh, an away game um, and it was like, if we won, we would win the championship or whatever, mm-hmm. the Hungarian championship. So we get to the gym and this is one of the gyms where it's like you have, the bus has to pull directly into the arena. Like even for like my husband came on like the fan bus and the fan bus had to pull directly into like their side of the arena. And it was like gated off like wire fencing so that they couldn't like interact with the other fans or anything. Uh, Had their own concessions, own bathrooms. And it's like in Hungary, they would just like flares like in the middle of games. And so it'd be like this like red, their team was like red. So there'd be like red and white flares going off. It's like a little bit smoky and hazy. And you're just like, where am I? You know, just like packed house. So then after the game, we wind up winning. So we like celebrate, we won the championship. So then we go to go home and this is like, um, I walk out and it's like, my husband is still there with the fan bus. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, they tried to leave, but like all of the, (laughs) all of the other team's fans are like blocking our bus. So like, we can't leave yet. And it's like, they tried to go out and there was just like so much stuff being thrown at the team bus that they couldn't leave. So he had to like wait in the arena for like two hours for things to cool down. And then it was like, 
they pulled out and they like we had to have like four police escort us to the highway and then they were like okay once you're on the highway you should be fine um so yeah got to the highway it was fine um it was pretty great though because then afterwards i got like pictures of my husband um passed out on the fan bus he was like hungarian people in their vodka like i cannot handle it they are absolutely what like their celebrations afterwards it was like they would just take shots of vodka and i am like i don't even know how anybody could drink this much and they were like well it's like medicine basically you know they're like it's no big deal it'd just be like they would just like put back like four in a row and be like yeah like okay line them up again you know it's just like man um maybe we should talk to your husband about his european experience oh <laughs> yeah some good series yeah 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 he's he's had some fun <laughs> number one he's fan. had some fun yeah <laughs> and so where do you see yourself with basketball are you, are, are you starting to process um the next phase or are you just trying to you know make the most of each each season right now no i mean i definitely uh i think that maybe i want to uh get into coaching mm. but i'm not like i'm not sure at what level at what we can talk you out of that area of that <laughs> it's a terrible choice don't do it <laughs> yeah. depends how much you like your your mental and physical health <laughs> yes yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah but um yeah so there's some like i don't think that i would be able to leave the game completely you know it's just been such a huge part of mm -hmm. my life so i think that is uh that is a thing that yeah i've thought about yeah. um sounds like yeah. you don't want to think about it too much right now though yeah sometimes <laughs> i'm like i mean who wants to grow up it's like you're 100%. over in europe you're just you know yeah <laughs> hanging out taking naps every day you're like man it's this <laughs> it doesn't get much better like yeah. i always say that i'm like people are like well you know you might my parents are always like you know you might love your next job just as much i'm like i actually know that i won't love my next job just as much as like being a professional basketball player like i am fully realistic in what is going to happen with my life like i might find a great job but like it's not going to be you know getting paid to play a game like yeah. let's be real here <laughs> <laughs> amazing um we always do a little bit of like a uh like a rapid fire round but i got one more question before we go can you just talk about um that first olympic experience um there was there some pinch me moments and some goosebump moments and and then i know like you know we had i don't know if you know who michael meeks is um played for mm -hmm. the national team yeah and he talked about um the olympics experience just being like he was really focused on the competition side of it and didn't allow himself really to kind of take the whole experience in and, and, um, you know, just a one time you're just a young girl from out at out in mission. And <laughs> mm -hmm. next thing you know, you're traveling to the Olympics, like so many cool experiences for yourself. Um, and how was that? And what was that like? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, just like to qualify for the Olympics yeah. was insane. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we did it, we took the very last spot and it was like qualified on Canada day. And then it was just kind of like <laughs> yeah, 12 years of failure, you know, and yeah. it's like three weeks later, you're going to the Olympics. So that was unreal. Was um, that the scariest time of your career? Like no one touch each other. We're not scrimmage. Like, how do you, <laughs> like, I know you take a week off before the provincials and as a coach, you're yeah. just thinking like, okay, how much Nobody is too much? Hurt. Yeah. And then you got three weeks for the friggin' Olympics. Like forget the BC high schools. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I don't even know if it was like a full, oh, maybe it was a full three weeks, but we had like a week off and then we met in Toronto and we trained for like three days and then we flew over to London right away. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was like, we were in the village, like the day that it opened. Um, yeah, but yeah, there was so kind of long, a sense right? of relief. Yeah. It's the full yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, for sure. The first pinch me moment was like running out for the first game. Um, yeah. we played like Russia in that, early game and it was just kind of like oh my god we did it you know um we were able to go to the opening ceremonies and just like walk through and then leave um mm -hmm. because we did play at like i think our first game was at 9 a.m which is quite a quite a game time you know it's like right? you have to wake up at 5 30 and eat breakfast and yeah. it was like oh gross yeah um 
but yeah, it was just, uh, I went to like a few other sporting events and stuff, but not until sort of after ours ended. Um, but London was so cool because it was so easy to get around, mm. you know, and it was like our, my family came and there was like a giant mall to meet them at that was right outside of the village, you know, like the tube ran everywhere. Um, so it was just kind of, I mean, such a well-run Olympics, um, and the, the Olympic park was right there. So it was just like, even if you didn't go to an event, you could just like walk over to the Olympic park and be there in like 15 minutes and just kind of take in everything that was there. Uh, they had giant screens showing everything. Um, so that was really, really cool. Um, Rio was obviously a totally different story, uh, where it was like you we weren't really allowed to leave the village during our competition at all. It was like strongly advised again. So it wasn't until, you know, after we lost that it was like, okay, um, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, so no, it was going to the Olympics was like lifelong dream. Um, and I honestly say now that like, you know, obviously the goal is to get a medal now for Canada. We've been like, the last five competitions lost in the quarterfinals and it's kind of like okay we're right on the cusp you know yeah people outside of canada are now being like okay canada's a metal threat you know so it's just like okay we need to take that next step and step on the podium but i like still believe that qualifying for london will be the highlight of my career um just because it was it was such a cool time it was such a grind to get there that um yeah that will it almost like that qualifying tournament almost trumped the olympics itself um yeah just like the feelings of relief and celebration that were experienced after yeah uh, was pretty wild yeah interesting reflection yeah just eat just in totally being to able enjoy the process of getting there right and realizing you know we're not you know now we're there where the expectation is that but um, yeah. I think people really understand the blood, sweat, and tears, not to be, you know, with the corny saying, but literally the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes just to, and then that final buzzer goes. I know a lot of the gentlemen that we've interviewed for that 2000 team, like when they qualified in Puerto Rico or whatever, it was just like, uh, you know, like we did it, like holy yeah. smokes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's super cool. Um, thank you. Great stories and, and sharing. And are you up for a few more questions before we let you go? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, now these are going to get, they're going to get random. I know you're an introvert, so you know, you've admitted <laughs> okay. it yourself. You like books, <laughs> but uh, like musically, if you're going to rock some tunes, either to get you pumped for the game or you're driving in the car, what are you, what are you listening to? Um... Okay, well, I guess, like, before a game, you first have to, like, shout out Drake. Um, Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team. And now that we're, like, OVO sponsored, I had, like, friends hit me up that I haven't talked to in years yeah. and be like, yo, how do I get your jersey? And I'm like, you never cared about my jersey before. Like, now it's super cool. Like, what's happening here? Can you get me a $200 um, hoodie for free, please? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, obviously Drake before games. Um, I am like always to love Celine Dion. I got here in concert in Sacramento, and I was like the one person like <laughs> dieharding with her French songs as well. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Um, Corbin's a big then music say, guy. That was him like, yeah, screaming his face Celine, off. Celine, yeah. Yeah, there you go. She is, yeah. She's also very big over here in France, so it's a good one. Um, cool. And Beyonce would probably be my number one. Yes, the mm -hmm. queen. Yes. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. So. Um, who's the greatest player you've ever played against? Or a few that come to mind. I've ever played against? Um, mm -hmm. Man, Diana Taurasi in her prime was like, I don't know if you could stop her. Um, she was pretty unreal. Yeah. Same thing with Lauren Jackson. Yeah. Uh, oh, Lauren yeah. Jackson was kind of like a meaner, uh, stronger Brianna Stewart. Yeah. Um, who's also obviously unbelievable. Right. Uh, but yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I would say that those would be the t- the top two. Okay. Was Trazzy? Was she? Was she? Was she kind of cocky? Uh, kind of. She yeah. like. Yeah. She just like oozes confidence. Yeah. Like, right. She doesn't. Yeah. It's really awesome. You're just mm. like. That's uh. <laughs> When you say that let's, that's how you want to be as a shooter, it's like, whew, yeah, that's, Literally. I don't know if you can bottle that up and <laughs> and drink that, but that's how you want to be, like, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are your feelings about ketchup on macaroni? Like, I love food. I'm a real foodie, but that is, like, never. <laughs> don't even, like, nope. Very hot topic on this show, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be about the people, but everyone has their own opinion. And some people yeah, are very strong. No, that we, is, we are that in is your gross. corner. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that is are, gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, we just need to move on, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, who's been the most important person or people in your life up to this point? Oh, for sure, my family. Mm. Yeah, my mom, dad, two sisters, and then now my husband. I guess mm-hmm. add him in there as well. Mm-hmm. Probably should. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. He's like my personal rebounder and yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. He's done a bit of work over the years, so yeah. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Unpaid too, you know? <laughs> yes. I know. <laughs> I know. Um whether you're over in Europe or the time that you do get to go get back home, um, if you have a few bucks and you go to the corner store, what's the bag of chips that you're getting now yeah, like i'm not really a chip person whoa i know like i will take chocolate any day but i'm not okay. like give me chips wow i don't know i know i'm sorry i it is well, i'm so sorry <laughs> no. hey no i mean we need to have somebody had first. to do it yeah, we yeah need, exactly we, do it. we need these moments they're important right like yeah some people have just not wanted to really answer and thrown out like not great options, but no one's actually ever said like, I'm not really a chip person. Yeah. Like I would never go to the corner store and be like, because I'm craving chips. Like even if I go grocery shopping, like even during the pandemic, when you were like, I need comfort food, I've never come home with chips. Wow. So what's your like go-to snack then? Yeah. Like wait. Like when you're like, want to munch on something. I want to munch on something? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I really like oranges. <laughs> I mean, that would maybe be like, I know this is going to sound really random, but it's also like, it is the season for oranges. And when you can just pop like three in your bag and it's like, they're super sweet, you know? This is why you can still play pro basketball at 36. So you and I are not playing pro basketball at 36. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We've got McDonald's, we've got McDonald's cups and sausage, no egg McMuffins sitting in front of us and and you're telling us how much you love oranges. So let's, hey listeners, you can separate the difference and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> oh man <laughs> awesome um it's it's a heated debate um in your opinion um on the men's side who do you think's the greatest basketball player of all time in canada or in in the world all time in the world all time oh gosh um i mean i am going to be I really liked Magic Johnson. Yes. Yeah. I, it's also like I don't really like LeBron's game, so I know that he's amazing, but I just like. Yeah. I just can't really get on board. I can recognize his greatness. I see it, but I just don't like his style of play. So. Mitch is fist, yeah. fist pumping right now. I am. Yeah. I am like raising the roof. Magic is my favorite yeah. player ever. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Yes. It was fun to watch. Yes. Yeah. Magic and Larry. That and was... if, yeah. But I feel like, why does Magic kind of get overlooked? Like five titles, starting center as a rookie. Like, why? I feel like he should be in the conversation more of the greatest of all time. But whatever, you know? We'll I keep... think that happens like with time. Yeah, it does, right? You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. So you're just making me feel really old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I'm right there with you. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> Um, last question for you. If you could do it all again, you would, you would what? I mean, change my draft suit outfit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I really don't have like, 
any regrets for my playing career. You know, I have had, I have had a lot of fun. I've had some crazy experiences overseas, but um, they've it's been pretty remarkable and pretty cool life. So, no regrets. Good. Yeah. 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 Try to tell the young people that we would get the chance to work with. Like, I don't really like the word regret. It's just like, it's just life and learning experience, you know? And yeah. And if you don't learn from those things, then maybe they become a regret. But if, if you do mm-hmm. learn and you try to be better the next time, then that's just what life is for, right? So yeah, for love sure. it. Any final reflections or shout outs or feel like you missed anyone? Um, and we do greatly appreciate you joining us today. It's This has been awesome. No, yeah, thanks for thanks for the platform. My husband always says that I'm like a super boring soundbite. I'm like soundbite. I'm like a hockey player. Like it's just <laughs> cliche after cliche when I do interviews. So he's like, longer formats are much better for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. It's cool yeah. to catch up with people from back home. Um, yeah, I mean, shout out to all of the amazing coaches in BC, Mike and Allison McNeil, Bruce Langford, and yeah, Richie Chambers, yeah. Frank Chan. That was really lucky to have all of that crew in BC. Um, cool. So yeah. Cool. And thank you. And thank you for just being a, you know, a strong model for, for young women in our country and our province and someone who obviously, you know, you speak so well and, and um I hope that you do decide to get on the coaching side of things in some format and, and <laughs> you can, uh, you know, just men- continue to mentor and, and look out and, and mold some young people's lives. And we wish you nothing but, you know, health and happiness and continued success for as long as basketball, you know, stays in your life on the playing side. And we know that uh, when those times come to an end, whatever you choose to do, will you know, you'll be successful as well and, and uh, go Canada. Cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Special yeah, thanks. Yes, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Good Lad Clothing and Parkside Brewery. Amazing episode. This is a rewinder and listen a couple times, and uh, we'll see you on our next one. Thank you.